The Descant Music and Media Group presents In Search of Peace and Healing with your host, Celia Boone. Welcome, friends. I'm delighted that you've joined us today and hope this podcast will be helpful to you. Rather than define what this podcast is, which is really yet to unfold, let's start with what it's not. This is not a meeting, and it's not church, but a dialogue to aid our search, the search for peace and healing. In some of our episodes, my guests and I will discuss ideas and strategies that we've picked up from various places, including 12-step programs from churches and many other sources. Take what you like and leave the rest. Welcome, friends. I'm so glad you joined me again for another episode. Today, I want to talk a little bit about anger. For me, when I'm angry, I have discovered that basically what's going on is a combination inside of me, a combination of ego and fear. And there's usually more fear involved than ego, although my little ego does like to rear its head up. For me, fear has stolen more in my life from me than any thief ever could. And most of my life has been really, fear has been the driving force. I was taught to fear. Sadly, my mom was really a very frightened person. And every problem, you know, was like catastrophized, it seemed. Then if something really, really horrible happened, though, she would get, like, calm. It was really bizarre. But, you know, if something little happened, oh, no, you know, the world's going to end and everyone's going to die. She didn't say that, but that was the feeling that I got when something happened that or that wasn't to her liking. So with fear, I never knew how to get rid of it. I always hated having fear in my heart. Had no clue how to get rid of it. People in church would tell me, well, just trust God. Well, I don't know how. Can you give me a recipe? How do I, what what do I do to trust God? Well, you just trust him. Just pray and trust him. Uh, well, apparently I'm not that bright because I never could figure out how to trust God. I believed in God. I believed he was like the meanest person in the universe or the meanest being in the universe. I believed that he didn't care about me So why should I trust somebody that was really pretty much out to get me, waiting to consign me to hell for the slightest offense? And boy, I committed a lot of offenses, so I was really, 
I just figured I was going to hell in a jet-powered handbasket, full stop, you know. So I didn't know what to do with the fear, and I didn't know how to manage it or get rid of it at all. Fortunately, my support network has taught me that when I'm feeling fear, the number one thing I need to do is tell somebody about it. Somebody with whom I can be gut level honest. And I'm so blessed and fortunate to have a lot of people in my life with whom I feel very comfortable being gut level honest. And I have so many people who are, who love me enough to be honest with me. So I share what I'm afraid of, get support, and then I just say a little prayer and I ask, please remove my fear and make it okay for me to be going through this situation. And then, and this is the key, after that I try to turn my mind to helping somebody else. And do something, just do something to help somebody else because it gets me out of my head. It stops the fear from controlling my mind or taking up all the CPU time in my mind, as it were. And um, I'm able to get to a place of gratitude rather than continuing to sit in the place of fear. Now, I have been the recipient of many, many, many miracles. Even when I didn't really believe in God, there were so many miracles worked in my behalf that when, you know, finally I'm like, you know what, this just can't be a coincidence. This can't, this is, this is an outright miracle and God wouldn't do this unless he loved me. So, you know, I was coming to believe in a love, a God of love. And that took a while. It did. A friend gave me a prayer, which I just went outside and looked up into the sky and said, if you're up there and you care about me, give me an understanding of you that's appropriate for me to have. Because I just don't know what to think about you, dude. And for the very first time in my life, I immediately felt a little bit of peace, just a little snippet, but a little bit of inner peace. I'd never felt it before, and wow, did I like it. But it helped me to know I was on the right track. So fast forward today, a number of years later, there is an acronym for fear that um, I really like, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real, because the very worst things I've ever been through, the most frightened I've ever been by far, has been about things that only happened in my head. It didn't actually happen in reality. So many, many times I've assassinated the present by worrying about something that might happen in the future 
And in reality, it didn't. Another thing is today, if I'm sitting in a place of fear, I forget about all the miracles that have been performed on my behalf. Some of them have been financial. Some of them have been physical, emotional, mental, etc. And some of them have been things that helped me along my life pathway, a job, you know, meeting certain people at certain times. So it's easier for me today to not worry so much about the future, to stay in today, because God is here in the present. That's where the great divine source of love is found in the here and now. Now, um, today we're going to be um, running the second part of my interview with Marion Johansson. But before we go there, before we take a break, I want to read you something. This is the parable of the Cherokee grandfather and two wolves. So a young boy came to his grandfather. He was filled with anger because a friend had done him an injustice. The grandfather said to his grandson, let me tell you a story. I too at times have felt great hate for those that have taken so much with no sorrow for what they do. But hate wears you down and does not hurt your enemy. It is like taking poison and wishing your enemy would die. I have struggled with these feelings many times. He continued, It is as if there are two wolves inside of me. One is good and does no harm. He lives in harmony with all around him and does not take offense when no offense was intended. He will only fight when it is right to do so and in the right way. But the other wolf, ah, he is full of anger. The littlest thing will set him into a fit of temper. He fights everyone all the time for no reason. He cannot think because his anger and hate are so great. It is helpless anger, for his anger will change nothing. Sometimes it is hard to live with these two wolves inside of me, for both of them try to dominate my spirit. The boy looked intently into his grandfather's eyes and asked, Well, grandfather, which one wins? The grandfather smiled and quietly said, The one I feed. Let's take a little break now, and we'll be back with Mary and my friend. You've been listening to In Search of Peace and Healing with Celia Bloom, who returns this episode in just a moment. If you are enjoying this podcast and would like to learn more, we invite you to go to our website, descant-mmg.weebly.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget LinkedIn. Our podcast can be found on the Spreaker Network. Episodes are also available on Apple Podcast, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and now YouTube. If you want to book Celia for concerts and or conferences, contact us to learn how. 
Thank you. So I'm here with Marion Johansson, who joined us for our last episode, and we're going to continue her story today. So welcome back, Marion. Thank you. Um, so you were saying that um, you went to treatment at Hazelden in Minnesota for alcoholism and stayed around and volunteered 10,000 hours mm-hmm. for a couple of years. And then you um, started the counseling program. Now, what happened then? Hazelden hired me. And I became a member of their staff, their counseling staff. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing that I want to be sure to say is that all of the people who went through that training program for many years were recovering people because other people didn't know how or didn't want to work with alcoholics. So it was when somebody came into treatment, we pretty much knew everything they were going through. Mm -hmm. We could identify with what they were going through. And I think that is what made the huge difference in the fact that Hazelden had such good recovery rates. After that, uh, I was on the staff there for a year. I had been divorced, mm-hmm. and I met a man from Iceland who came there for training. And at the end of his, tra- after this training lasts for 55 weeks, a year and three weeks, and okay. it's, it is, I can't tell you how intense it is. Mm-hmm. I met this man, and when he completed, I was on the staff, I was his supervisor. Mm-hmm. When he had completed his year of training, we married, and we went to Iceland to live, which is where he was from. Okay. So you met him, you got married, and you guys together then continued working. So did you stay at Hazelden, or did you go somewhere else? No. We went to Iceland, okay. and I had private practice out of our home. Okay. Um, and I could have worked 24 hours a day, seven days a week, mm-hmm. because the problem with alcohol in Iceland was so severe. There were more AA meetings there than you can, I, I, didn't, I couldn't even count how many. There was only one English-speaking meeting. Oh, wow. And that was on Friday nights, and, you know, I was always at that meeting. The people in Iceland are very stoic. The Icelanders have the same kind of problem with alcohol that American Indians do. Okay. That Eskimos do. Okay. And some Scandinavians. Mm -hmm. Uh, When Iceland was settled, Vikings came from Norway, stopped in, in Ireland and picked up some wives and ended up in Iceland. Okay. Iceland has very little snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has it has two glaciers where that that are of course covered with snow. But generally speaking it the terrain is very stark. Mm-hmm. It's hilly. Very few trees because the gale force winds blow and uh, 
stunt the growth. And also, from half the year is dark and half the year is right. light. Right. So did that um, impact your moods, the, the darkness and light? Or did it just all kind of combine to make you want to come leave and come back to the States? No, actually, I adjusted after six months... I had pretty well learned how to get along, uh-huh. and I had made friends. Icelanders are very stiff and and foreboding, forbidding, until they get to know you. They're, they they sniff you all around, and then one day you look up, and they're very, they're your friend. Okay. So I had made some good friends by that time, primarily people in AA, uh-huh. and my clients. Okay. I have always, and this is something that's so different from mental health counseling in general. In mental health counseling, the counselor's not supposed to share anything about their own life. Right. And in, in our work, we are very willing to be transparent because that is what is helpful. Right to the people that we're trying to serve. Because you can share your experience, you can, strength, and hope. But you never do it unless it's relevant to their situation. Right. In other words, if somebody has said they've lost a child, I wouldn't say, I know how you feel, because I, you don't. I don't know how that feels. Right. So it has to be relevant to them. But anyway, so the day came where the inflation there was so bad uh-huh. That we realized that we had to leave. Okay. Uh, you know, we one day a loaf of bread would cost what would be our equivalent of two dollars. The next day it would be ten. Oh wow! Um, it was it was crazy. Okay, so the economy really went wild, and you needed to get to somewhere where you could afford the cost of living. Yes, we did. Okay, so. We had conti- I had continued to escort patients from Iceland. Iceland had been sending people. That's how my husband, Stefan, realized that Hazeland was there. He, he had been taking patients from Iceland there. That's how he found out about it. That's why he went through training there. Uh-huh. And when we moved to Iceland, then I was the one who became the person to take them to Hazeldon. Okay. And... Then, so when it came time for us to leave, we went to Florida to visit my daughter, Betsy, who was there. And we found out that there was nobody in the town of Orlando who'd had any training in alcohol and drug problems. Oh, wow. So that was either AA or psychiatry. Uh-huh. And a lot of people need more than just AA. Yes. So we ended up working at a treatment center for almost a year. And after that, we opened our own clinic okay. um, in, a, in a rented building. Mm-hmm. That grew so fast. We became, we became so busy. We had to, we bought a building, uh-huh. a 4,500 square foot building. Wow. And we hired other therapists to come and work with us. We didn't. We were the drug and alcohol counselors. We had others there who were uh, into food addiction and um, sex addiction, and you know all of the 
The whole gamut. The whole gamut. Okay. And we had a multi-purpose team because we had a psychiatrist who came to us once a week. We had a minister who came to hear fifth steps. Uh-huh. Uh, we had a psychologist who did a lot of our, our testing, psychological testing. Right. And anyway, after over 20 years, uh-huh. well, after 16 years, Stefan said, I need to go back to Iceland. And we had worked so hard and paid ourselves so little uh, because this was really a ministry to us. This was not just to make money. This was your calling. This was our calling. And he, when he said he was going back to Iceland, by that time, my children had all married and had children. So I had grandchildren here. Uh And I said, I, I can't, I can't do that. And he said, well, I've got to do it. So he left. And I, it was close to a million dollars in debt oh, that he left me. We had, he had started uh, running a bookstore within our building. Uh-huh. And he had spent money for catalogs and things I didn't know about. Okay. This is not to criticize him. He he was trying his best, right? But uh, financially, he was he really was not doing. He wasn't well. savvy. No, he wasn't savvy. Okay. So, one of my clients, who had come to me for many years, had an MBA from Harvard and was an engineer, graduated from MIT. Mm-hmm. Off, and he was he had retired and was helping other companies who were in financial straits. Okay. He came and looked at the books. Mm-hmm. This was just prior to Stefan's leaving because I didn't know how I was going to manage. And he said, I don't know if we can save this or not. Mm-hmm. But we did save it. But I worked six days and seven no, seven days and six nights a week. Oh, honey. Um, almost injuring, I mean, really harming myself. Yes. But we did turn it around. And when I found out I had to have a hip replacement, uh, we decided to, I decided to retire at the age of 67. Okay. So tell me now, because this is In Search of Peace and Healing. So... How did you get through? I mean, you don't, I know you, you don't believe in divorce, and yet you ended up having two. How did you get through these things, and and how have you found peace and healing? What are the things you do to help grow your peace and and your core of peace and promote your healing? The first thing I did when Stefan said he was leaving, and, I, and actually I knew it was going to happen. I prayed. Okay. Uh, I, I'm a, a constant prayer anyway, but I prayed specifically that I not be bitter okay. or, that, or that I not hold resentments because as recovering people, we, we really can't afford to do that. No. And my prayer was answered. Uh, I still... I, I don't feel any anger toward him. 
um, because many there were many good things that came out of that. But that was the main way I did was by prayer. Uh-huh. Also, I had so many faithful clients and friends mm. that they just rallied around me, which which gave me further strength and hope. So that were your support network. Gathered My support around, network came gathered your, around. Came to your aid. Yes. Okay. I have believed in God since I was a little child. Okay. My grandmother told me, the grandmother for whom I'm named, and I loved her dearly, she said, Marion, God never sleeps. Mm. I have claimed you for him. Wow. And... I want you to know you can talk to him anytime, day or night. I bought that as a five-year-old completely, mm-hmm. and I have never doubted it during the hard times. I've oh. always realized that the only thing that we're really promised is that he's going to be with us. Yes. Not that he's going to make things perfect. Right. Or easy. Or easy. And so the I think what... What finally has brought it all together was when Stefan left, I felt this extreme pain. I, that's when I quit working the program and started living the program. Mm. Um, and every day, to me, recovery, real recovery, is living in the 24 hours we have. Yes. That's, I really don't worry about yesterday. Mm-hmm. I truly am not concerned about tomorrow. When I get up in the morning, I am the first thing I do is is say a prayer of thanks for the day. Uh-huh. And that sets the tone. Wow, that's wonderful. And how inspiring. First of all, I just you are wildly inspiring to me because you're not afraid. And I, I want to be that spiritually well-developed. Um, I want to grow into that because that, that's just wildly encouraging to find somebody that's not afraid to me. So if it's possible for you, it's possible for me. It certainly is. Thank you, Marion, so much for coming and talking with me today. Um, I love you very much. And um, maybe maybe could we get you back on another time? Absolutely. Thank you okay. so much. Oh, I love you too. Oh. And now, may each of you be blessed with more peace of mind and joy of heart than you could even imagine. You've been listening to In Search of Peace and Healing with Celia Boone, a production of the Descant Music and Media Group. Providers of music and media production as well as business services for small businesses and nonprofit organizations. Visit our website at www.descant-mmg.weebly.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Our podcast can be found on the Spreaker Network. Episodes are also available on Apple Podcast, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and YouTube.
If you want to book Celia for concerts and or conferences, contact us to learn how. Thank you.